0: For me.
1: Welcome to Box Office Bylines, a podcast about movies, about journalism, uh, The Citizen's Cane, The Girl's Friday, The Bride's Runaway. I am Jacob Boone, editor and journalist, newsletter dude in Yellowknife Northwest Territories, joined as always by...
0: Tara Thorne in Halifax, Nova Scotia. So, this is a big studio picture. Big studio, big director. In the the grand old Hollywood Biggest
1: stars. The Post. Biggest
0: and brightest. Yeah. 2017,
1: directed by, I don't know if you've heard of him, Steven Spielberg.
0: I've heard of Steven Spielberg. Written
1: by Liz Hanna of Longshot.
0: Big fan. Josh Singer
1: of Spotlight. Talked Mm -hmm. about both of those. Starring... Meryl Streep from *Heartburn* and *The Devil Wears Prada*. (laughs) Tom Hanks, Sarah Paulson, both Bob Odenkirk and David Cross, Mm -hmm. Uh, Bradley Whitford, Bruce Greenwood, Matthew Reese, Allison Brie, Carrie Coon, Jesse Plemons. Deep cast, deep bench.
0: Any white person you can think of that looks from like they're from the '60s is in this thing. I would argue Jesse Plemons does not have an old timey look, but nobody asked me. Yeah, there's
1: a couple people who are a little—they <laughs> got a little, a little less hairstyling than some of the others.
0: Now, I don't want to steal it from your trivia section, sure. but I'm reasonably sure this is Liz Hannah's first produced script. It's her first script and the first thing that got made. Mm-hmm. And it was—and I remember they rushed it. Oh yeah, they rushed the production. To try and, like, make it timely for what else was happening in America. Um, And, you know, I'm no Spielberg fan. We'll get into it. But I'm also not so stupid. You just talked about the studio off the top. If Spielberg wants to make your thing, yes, say yes. Mm -hmm. Like, it's the dream. Steven
1: Spielberg shows up. He says, I got Tom Hanks. I got Meryl Streep.
0: The movie's about,
1: no, they've already cut a blank check. (laughs) Uh, For good and bad. Mm -hmm. Sometimes that works mm. out. Now, we saw, speaking of seeing movies together, we saw this film together.
0: We Oh, did. wait, you had seen it, it, I think,
1: for somewhere else.
0: I am not going to be like this, but I'm going to say it anyway. I saw this film on opening night in a New York City and its Oscar qualifying <sighs> run. So Were the stars was at there? The- they weren't. No. Oh, it wasn't like that fancy. But it was like at a theater in Union Square. It's just diff- like, I don't, there could have been media people there. I don't know. It was one of those like, stupid luxury like an amc 14 you're not somebody or whatever. who gets
1: you know starstruck like that you don't know who's there you were oh, just totally there for am. the movie
0: i was there for the movie it felt very cool to watch this very new york well it's more of a washington movie yeah. let's be honest <laughs> but it's like it's about it's about new yorky things mm-hmm. um in in an in an audience that was super into it because i really don't think we did go to the post and it happened to be quite there were quite a few people there for like a weekday afternoon. they were all old. I do remember that. Oh, yeah. I forgot we saw them um, in the middle it's of the day. Certainly, the Post was not selling out Theater 10 at Bears Lake Cinemas. You know yeah. what I mean?
1: Because we saw it as like a newsroom outing, much like how yes, we saw we Spotlight. Yes, we did. And
0: it, yes. And, of course, we were late for this. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There was no Harveys involved this time.
1: Though, the uh, as, as maybe listeners remember, you... Late to you is like the commercials have started.
0: You have to be in before the lights go down.
1: Yeah, which is not. Yeah, uh, my definition of late would be like somewhere within the trailers. Certainly, the movie has started. We're late. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't really care if I missed the like latest Honda ad.
0: Right, I don't either. My here's my concern mm. is that I don't, I don't like bumbling around in the dark. Mm. So I just, I want the lay of the land. I like a certain seat and I want it.
1: Didn't Spotlight tell us that that's all what journalism is, stumbling around in the dark?
0: <laughs> Touche. Uh, but we really liked it as a group.
1: We did. Uh, I liked it, I would say, less than than I did re-watching it this week.
0: Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay.
1: And I think maybe for some of the same reasons, or, or a little bit what you touched on there, that this was coming out post-Trump election when did this Mm -hmm. premiere
0: 2017 2017, Christmas 2017 so we would we yeah so it had been a year of
1: Trump being in office um very much made sort of as a rebuke to attacks on the free press by a tyrannical Mm -hmm. president Mm -hmm. and also coming on the heels of spotlight which is still a better movie I would say it is um yeah and a better journalism movie just better movie and better journalism movie um so yeah I, d- I think i was expecting this to be sort of like an old-timey spotlight or all the president's men i had expectations of it and all of the topical stuff was top of mind and now in the year of our lord 2021 <laughs> post <laughs> trump being in office everything's great again um mm. Yeah, it's, it's it's removed from that context, and it's more just I can kind of see the film underneath. Which I liked.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. That's interesting. I actually was angered by the opening army sequence, like the military battle. I struggle with Spielberg in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. and we'll get into them, but it's just like he's like so fucking obsessed with war mm-hmm. and manly things and boy things. It's just like a movie about... The federal government trying to restrict the freedom of the press does also not need to be opened with okay. a guy on the ground in Vietnam.
1: I totally agree. And this this would be the, I think, biggest problem with this movie. Um, but why, I, and, and what I realized I like more about it now, is that I don't know if Spielberg... I'm I'm sure he knows he's a, he's a, he's made a lot of movies but he's trying to make two films he's trying to make the story of the Pentagon papers mm-hmm. which is something that encompasses a lot of people a lot of things including this whistleblower in the army and why he would blow the whistle um but he's also trying to make a movie about the publisher Catherine Graham learning to stand up for herself and learning to stand up for the public um and those two things aren't always in step and i think that latter movie which is what i really appreciated watching the second time is really great and that's all the meryl streep stuff and i i i the movie could have been much more narrowly focused around her and i think it would have been a better stronger film than having it expand into Side characters and side plots that were kind of fun if they were newsroom journalism stuff, were maybe a little less important when they were Matthew Reese stumbling through the jungles of Vietnam.
0: Yeah, or Bob Odenkirk on the phone. I mean or whatever.
1: I'll watch Bob Odenkirk I mean, all day, Here's but, what I
0: here's what I think. Mm-hmm. I think Liz Hanna wrote that Catherine Graham movie and they brought Josh Singer in to man it up. And so he right. added the pentagon. I, I guarantee that does happened, feel very accurate. Yeah. They did bring him in. Cause he is more, because she was, I think she was only 25 or something too. They did, they sort of like match them up so he could like, you know,
1: he's doing do the, w- all the president's men investigating. And she's yeah, doing yeah, yeah. the like, the, the lady, lady emotions, stuff, the lady emotions. <laughs> yeah. But that is,
0: and sorry, yeah, I mean, think.
1: I love the investigative journalism stuff. There, like, yep. that's all very fun. Um, the, the incredible scene where Odenkirk, like, sneaks away to the motel room in the middle of the nowhere and meets his source, Matthew Reese, and the camera, we start on his face and the camera pans back to all of the stolen documents all over the room. (laughs) It's great. That's like journalism porn. But Mm -hmm. not the least because it's Meryl Streep, all of the Streep stop is so much more interesting, I think, Mm -hmm. um, to, to, you know, uh, she plays it from a place of vulnerability and fear, um, she's not, you know, the ball busting corporate girl boss, power boss. She's not, you know, Meryl Streep and the Devil Wears Prada. She's mm-hmm. starting from a place of such insecurity because it was her husband who was supposed to be in charge of the paper and her dad who owned it. And it was the time that, you know, no one was taking her seriously. And she is like the movie climax is basically with her deciding to publish. This story, knowing that they could all get sued and end up in prison. And she's not doing it because she, you know, she, she's she got a heart on for journalism and we're going to stick it to the man. She's terrified about what could happen. Yeah. And she's terrified because the legacy of her family, the legacy for her children and her grandchildren mm-hmm. and all the people she works for, they could all end up in prison or out of a job. That's terrifying. And those, that's, that's you know, when you're actually choosing and making these decisions, not that I've published the Pentagon papers, but <laughs> in the moment, you don't know how these things are going to happen. You don't know mm-hmm. history will be on your side. And I think it's much more accurate to have someone be very vulnerable and, and unsure of what this will result in. But but her making that decision is very powerful. And watching totally. all those scenes, it's like, man, I it, this, this, this entire movie should have just been focused on Catherine...
0: Well, and there's that whole subplot too of like they're but they're about to take the paper public to yes. save it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's the other thing that that if all these guys pull out, then their papers fucked as well. Her her husband died by suicide, mm-hmm. um, uh. So you know she's sort of grieving in public and shouldering the blame of that. And there's this like weird New York society thing where they don't say that's what it is, mm-hmm. but everyone mm-hmm. knows it is. So everyone just sort of feels sorry for her and it's it is interesting to think about meryl streep and what a formidable actor she is and they keep putting her in these rooms of men where they just talk over her Mm -hmm. and that scene where they're like how many reporters will that pay for and she goes 25 and no one no one says a thing they just keep talking and the guy goes yeah 25 he's like all right 25 25 like just like they're very good at subtly showing how disrespected she is and um and yeah you're right it, it is it is a more interesting movie it just is and by the way Kay Graham mm-hmm. Kay to her friends gets one line in all the presidents men and it's Kay Graham has got her tit in a vice yeah so that's what <laughs> that's that's where we were with her till the post came out
1: I'll uh, just going back a bit because we have we we've established a bit of a trend on um. Adjusting for inflation in reporter salaries in some of the older films we've talked about. <laughs> good Night and Good Luck and uh, 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 Roman Holiday. $3 million in 1971, equaling 25 reporters, would be $120,000 per reporter. Which, adjusting for inflation and assuming some of that cost is in you know benefits and, and other things, that still works out to about $800,000 per reporter today.
0: Wow, and all of them would have signed that New York Times
1: anti-union increase. <laughs> absolutely they would (laughs) have um yeah i think the framing and the scenes she has um when she decides to let it publish you know streep starts sitting at a table surrounded by men in black suits crowding her she rises and moves away and then eventually like her sort of uh, her like financial advisor the chairman uh uh what's his name i forget the characters yeah he eventually like goes and sits down in her seat and, and is like nope she's in charge she's now the person in charge the conflicts over whatever like like the decision to publish actually comes about like 15 minutes beforehand mm-hmm. where where she's on the phone with and and all these dudes Ben Bradley and everybody are are yelling in her ear and she decides let's go forward with it but that's really the end of the movie is when not that they're publishing but she's not even when they win the court case it's when Catherine Graham decides she's going to be in charge that's mm-hmm. sort of when, like, after that, like, the court case doesn't matter anymore. Like, they're they're committed. She's she's in charge, and she's gonna help the public learn what the government did to them. Anyways, yeah, it's, I, I it, it cursed my I cursed myself for not seeing that more the first time, and I think I was blinded by the Trump stuff and also that everyone was talking about it. Like, oh well, this is essentially all the president's men. So it's just mm-hmm. like, go, let's go watch an investigative journalism movie, which as mm-hmm. you and I know, like those are great. I, I could watch those. Spotlight yeah. has very little about character in it. It's mm-hmm. all about the story and getting it out. The work. Yeah. And yet here, watching it again, I'm like, man, that that is as fun as all that stuff is with Bob Odenkirk. <laughs> I'd rather have more Streets where Meryl is talking to Allison Brie about mm-hmm. you know, their their legacy and being a woman and
0: I also love in one of the early scenes she trips or like yeah. she bumps into a chair. Like she's just that felt improvised. She's been a rich, right? a rich. It had to have been. I remember when when I went to it in New York. I talked to my friend. I'm like, was this? Did she do this on purpose or was it scripted? Like we debated and I don't think we agreed. Um, but yeah, like just just every little bit to show that even though she was like a rich lady her whole life who owned a newspaper, she still just wasn't wasn't confident in it what did you think of sarah paulson's speech so sarah paulson has this very thankless part as ben Mm -hmm. bradley's wife and um sometimes she's literally asleep in the scenes um she brings them all sandwiches at one point like just the dutiful wife part and then they give her this speech that basically is about herself. In her she, but she pottery studio, it, which is... Yeah, it's just being like where Ben Bradley doesn't get, because he's like, you know, Mr. Old School Journalist. And it's like, no, we just have to tell the truth. It doesn't matter what the consequences are. And she's like, you don't understand what you're saying because you've never been in her position. I felt the first time I was like, yeah. And now I'm like, I felt it was a bit heavy handed. Yeah, it
1: was. It was lampshading it a little too much. And also, mm-hmm. I didn't really agree that... I think, I think Bradley probably, uh, not in real uh, I don't know, I can't speak to real life, but in the movie, I'm sure it, you need to have some arc where he learns to appreciate that he was underappreciating what she was doing. But he did seem mm-hmm. to, throughout the movie, sort of be on her side in terms of the sexism. Like, yeah. there's a line where Bradley Whit- Whitford's lawyer, you know says that her husband was given the paper by her father, which says something about the man. And he says, I think it says something about the time. Yeah. Which like yeah. he recognized like, and they have a good rapport at the start, even though they're, he wants her to butt out of being involved. Um, yeah. I don't. Yeah. That scene felt like, I don't know, a studio note or it something felt where like, we have, yeah, we, have to, like Sarah we Sarah Paulson have to make some subtext like, <laughs> text.
0: Or Sarah Paulson was like, can I please have one good thing to do? Then answer the phone. I would and bring love it if that to was the
1: reason. If Sarah Paulson had <laughs> yeah. that much like sway on Spielberg's set, that they wrote an entire scene for her.
0: <laughs> I would love it to be true. It probably wasn't. No, I
1: think it was more <laughs> like test audiences. The studio executives don't understand why these men are suddenly supportive of this woman who's in charge, who's a bitch. Yeah. Can we explain <laughs> that somehow?
0: Yeah, very obviously <laughs> to the people who don't get subtext or nuance. Um I love Tom Hanks in this. Yeah. I mean, I love Tom Hanks in most things. Um he made Bradley seem like a really good guy mm-hmm. and um and not not the sort of typical journalism portrayal we see where the the person is all about the work to the detriment of everything else around them. Like mm-hmm. he just seemed to be a well-rounded good dude who recognized um, you know, how far he had, had gotten, but also that's what drove him. And I do love that they that she she um him, he was basically all through the movie. He's like, you know, these guys. That's why you don't want to do it. And she's like, Well, do you remember JFK, yeah. your friend? And um, I think it was. I think that was was also reflective of the time and and of like New York, Washington society sort of stuff that that I'm sure goes on to this day. Where it's like, yeah, everyone's all wrapped up in in personal relationships when they shouldn't be.
1: Yeah, that scene was not heavy handed with him on the couch realizing that like
0: mm-hmm.
1: why the Kennedys were friends with them. Is because mm-hmm. that even though they thought, oh, we're just friends, like to, to them, you were always the reporter, the editor, and
0: yeah, it was transactional. Yeah, sorry, Ben.
1: <laughs> um, I love the use of color. If I can bring that up, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. all the news, the newsroom, and Bradley's house—lots of grays, sort of newsprint-like. All mm-hmm. the government stuff is very cold blue. And then you have Kay's house, which is all these rich colors, fancy. gold, pinks. Yeah. That sort of rich house that I don't know if it exists anymore, where like there's individual expensive plates displayed on the walls, <laughs> which is a level of fancy. I don't know if it's around anymore. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah.
1: Um, yeah, and I guess that was something they, they. I mean, that was very intentional. But the costume designer tried to brighten her outfit. As they went along. And then basically ends at the courthouse steps with her letting the big dick New York Times guys get all the <laughs> quotes while she yep. steps out of the shadows into the sunlight into an adoring crowd mm-hmm. of young female journalists Ladies. or whatever. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but that also scene feels but weird if care. the whole film wasn't really truly about that. Mm-hmm. Like then it's like, yeah. well, this feels out of place to have this crowd of it. Like it was nice when the one legal temp kind of praises her. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, the crowd of like hippie women being like, here's our God.
0: (laughs) It's the movie's portrayal of hippies is so funny. It's like, like the classic, the guy, the people that pick up Matthew Reese and like drive him (laughs) with his documents. And then actually I wanted to ask you off the top. I ruined my own joke, which is, are you somebody, are you important? And the guy's like, I'm a general assignment reporter. Oh yeah, that's good. And then he takes, he takes the box into the office and there's, they're like figuring out what all this means, and he's still trying to explain yeah, yeah, this creepy like, yeah, lady.
1: <laughs> and then they, of course, don't give him the story. <laughs> no. He's not good enough for that. Yeah, that was that was a good joke. <laughs> Are you important, General Simon? I report. do. I, which I, sounds important if of, you don't know anything.
0: <laughs> yeah, there was a lot of talking over uh, each other, which I always like in movies. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure the sound mixers don't care for it, but it's like that's life. Especially now that we've all have, have no social skills.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Everybody, I thought the acting was all around. You know, Spielberg, stellar. fine. You know, mm-hmm. I, I fine seems harsh, but, like, everyone's doing a great job. Mm-hmm. Carrie Coon was great um, in the sort of also thankless, like, lady reporter role. But... All the
0: lady roles are thankless except for Kay. And actually, this brings me to my main point, which is that maybe this is not your trivia, but I'm stealing it. This was the first female protagonist in a Spielberg movie since Holly Hunter and Always in 1989. Wow. He does not give a shit. Wow. And Holly Hunter shared that top line with two men. And so Street really, basically
1: shares this with Hanks in terms of yes. Yeah.
0: So really, you have to go all the way back to the color purple. Whoopi Goldberg, nineteen eighty five. Has he had
1: any sense? What has he made sense?
0: No. No. I looked. I made sure to be sure. Um, no. Unless the little like isn't. I think the little girl in the R G B. But I would argue the RGB is the lead. <laughs> yeah, the Rodell animated thing he did.
1: RGB. It's
0: like Yeah, the RGB. It's a giant. RBG?
1: The really big giant. RGB. <laughs> like the green green. Yeah. I'm not green making board. it up, I saw it. Yeah, no, I know. I just...
0: <laughs> but let's make sure. <laughs> this is very important to this podcast. Anyway, so that's my main pro- my main problem with Spielberg. Well, that's the main one. Mm-hmm. RBG. Mm-hmm. No, wait, I'm confusing that with Ruth Bader Ginsburg, (laughs) V-R-G-B, hold on, V-R-B-G,
1: great audio we got going here, we're both Googling Spielberg right now,
0: oh my god,
1: we'll cut it, no we won't, we're gonna leave this in, everyone else Google Spielberg right now, see what comes up,
0: no, I'm not, I just, its like, I think I'm saying the wrong thing, come on. Director, sixty-one movies. So that's three lady parts. Okay, the BFG. <laughs> <laughs> big, fucking the big
1: fucking giant.
0: Fucking <laughs> giant. I think the kid is a little girl. Let's see, and an orphan girl. Now I don't feel that counts.
1: No, um, I don't either.
0: Um. So yeah, and, and my other thing about Spielberg is he's a populist filmmaker. I do not have a problem with that. I can be a snob, but I'm not snobby about that. He also, he just fancies himself, like, a, a maker of, of incredible, important art. And even when he does things like Ready Player One, which is the last Spielberg I was forced to review, and that's the last movie he's directed. Um, but, you know, Lincoln, mm-hmm. um, Munich... Um, I don't all know. Saving Private Jaws. Ryan. Like, they're just, they're just, I do love Jaws, but they're just, like, capital I important movies, and so is this one. So that's, well, it, I just, I don't I know. I mean, it's almost... I find it makes them...
1: Spielberg's all, uh, to a point where it's almost, not fair, but, like, how do you criticize someone who, not through his own makings, or, or like, he kind of, like, his films ended up Resetting what everyone else's movies were for like fifteen years, yep. so it's like, well, fuck. Yeah. I mean, what do you? How do you? Everyone was making Jaws, and everyone was making Jurassic Park, and everyone was making mm-hmm. Schindler's List. Like, it's difficult to. I don't. I don't think you're wrong to point out anything. You are. But I just think
0: he's a Pollyanna who doesn't care about characters. It's, it's such just,
1: mass and... art that even yeah. when it's good, it's like very difficult to pin down. Um. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know what I'm saying, but yeah, it's Spielberg.
0: I also read in Easy Rider's Raging Bulls that he lied about his age by two years, so he seemed even more prodigious than he actually was. So when he went to Hollywood, he said he was 24, but he was 26. Nice.
1: Smart. Mm -hmm. Do it. Lie on your resume, everyone.
0: (laughs) But, 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 all that said... Mm To give a director like that a movie like this with limitless budget is exciting. Like, he's basically directing a mid-level adult drama mm-hmm. that, like, Tom McCarthy or, I don't know, just someone someone else, someone at a lower level should have been doing. But because it's Spielberg, you get everything top-notch, yeah. and you do get your stupid war sequence off the top, and he's a very, very, very good filmmaker. So, you know, like, you just, you, the quality was never really going to be in question.
1: Yeah, yeah, true.
0: So that I I felt. Isn't good he doing actually.
1: a movie now about his own childhood?
0: Oh boy, I don't know. That might be good though. I have to look. What do you mean? to look at IMDb Pro. Like what's in production?
1: <laughs> like a more self in like like. Not subtextually self indulgent Spielberg
0: movie <laughs> might be good.
1: Like here he's not working out his childhood through the lens of other people's stories. He can just like directly address whatever. Anyway, um, other things you liked about this film?
0: Oh God, I forgot he's doing the West Side Story with Ansel fucking Elgort. No, <laughs> um, I do not see anything here about okay. uh, his his own movie unless it's called Black Hawk, which seems wrong. Um, anything else I liked? Um, I know you loved the the new the um, pa- paper plant scene at the end.
1: At the at the end, I loved the paperwork montage. At the mm-hmm, house mm-hmm. with the little girl selling them lemonade as they <laughs> sort through all the papers. Again, like it, all these things that are very fun. Um, they just kind of distracted in this movie. But like chasing the competition for the scoop when they send the intern over mm. to find out what they're working on. And all he gets is that the front page has a big giant space for the one reporter's With the re- one reporter's name. And they all know that's a bad sign.
0: <laughs> oh, I remember, I feel like I read a tweet to this effect, possibly you wrote it, mm. when they're writing the big published reveal story and they hand it to the copy editor and he crosses out the first yes. line.
1: immediately opens the folder and then immediately crosses out the lead. It was great. Oh my God. That was fantastic.
0: <laughs> well, I would have lost my mind. <laughs> it was just like a full line yeah. and they just capitalized <laughs> the next word. Yeah. It's like, it starts here. Yeah, that was pretty good. That was good. My favorite, here's my favorite scene, and I'm sure, I feel like um, it's funny that it never came up before now. When J- Jesse Plemons plays the lawyer, mm-hmm. um, Landry himself, and he basically Lance. is trying to get them to stop publishing. Yes, Lance. He's trying to get them to not publish. Mm-hmm. And he's like, tell me your source, tell me your source. And Odenkirk's like, nope, nope, nope. And he's like, is it, this, is it the same as the New York Times? And he doesn't know.
1: Right, because that fucks them, too.
0: Yeah.
1: And Kirk like, realizes it in that moment.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's a good scene. Like, he thought, he, like, went to this, he yeah. took this secured, circuitous way to meet his old buddy, Matthew Reese, and he's like, oh, this is my buddy. He gave it to me, obviously. Yeah. Like, he never considered that he talked to other people. And he never asked.
1: Do you think, there's a question that came up as I was re- re-watching this, um... Let's say the Pentagon papers or some equivalent leaks these days and they kind of have in some respects and it doesn't say, and it seems like we all move on a few hours later. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, they come up. do you feel what are the ethics for you of chasing down the person who leaked it knowing that they're facing life in prison if not execution under American law? Mm-hmm. Yes, you would protect their identity, but in this day and age, Even you trying to track them down, if you succeed, you might end up exposing them.
0: Totally. I saw Citizen Four. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, this is not what I do. So it wouldn't really be up to me. Well, it's a different world, too, because I feel like these days the Times
1: would um, put the whole thing up online. Like, here Mm -hmm. are the papers we got. And then everyone can report off that copy. We don't need our source to be exposed. But, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, when he starts phoning around to get Matthew Reese and locate him... And then it's like, well, their phones are probably tapped, though. And it's yeah. like, shit. Yeah, this is. It turns out not to be a problem because Reed or the character Reese plays, goes on sixty minutes. I forget his name. He's very famous. Daniel Ellsberg. Sorry.
0: Dan. Yeah. 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 I don't know. Also, the movie is so shitty to Nixon. Like they f- <laughs> they film him in such a good way, like long distance through the White House mm-hmm. window. And it's just a voice. Using his and voice. Like, Those are real phone calls. It's such a fuck you to Nixon. Yeah. It's great. You never see his face.
1: Um I didn't like the Batman begins esque Marvel teaser ending. What? Where they're like, Oh, oh I hope this never happens at, again. Yeah, and then we the the, the, the yeah, rising yeah, yeah. Christopher Nolan drums. Yeah. <laughs> As, like, the Watergate security guard comes along. Like, that was a little... Unless you're actually going to make that sequel.
0: (laughs) Yeah, or or else it was just like, look, this guy's always got his foot in something. Oh, that
1: tricky dick Nixon. (laughs) I also thought it was funny that they talked so much about the financialization of the paper and getting the IPO Mm -hmm. out, knowing that the washington post is currently owned by jeff bezos's holding company yeah um yeah i think there's there's something interesting there about how like you know the the lawyers and the accountants were very worried about how reporting on the fucking pentagon papers (laughs) was going to decrease the value of the newspaper when as i think the history there has proven and and as we know it's like usually the big scary stories are the one that increase how people respect your brand and then increases what it's worth and it just Mm -hmm. never feels like that if you're a middle managing accountant or lawyer, which is one of the problems when those are the people running the newspapers.
0: That's right. If it's like a hedge
1: fund (laughs) that owns your local paper, that's an issue. Mm
0: -hmm. Good movie. Good movie.
1: Let's take a break, talk trivia.
0: Sounds good.
1: Fritz, you're not going to let her do this she can No, no to... she can, Arthur. And it's entirely her decision. Hey, okay, you're allowing Mr. Bradley to, to, to lead you to folly, the
0: legacy of the company is at stake. And if you Father, want to protect that legacy, <laughs> This company's been in my life for longer than most of the people working there. have been alive, so I don't need the lecture on legacy. And this is no longer my father's company. It's no longer my husband's company. It's my company, and anyone who thinks otherwise probably doesn't belong on my board. Can you guarantee me that we-, we 100%. Could a
1: All right, then. My decision stands, and I'm going to bed. It's a pen rattling. Run it. Yes, sir. Start it up.
0: Welcome back to Box Office Bylines, where we're talking about one we like for a change. Jacob, The Post. Mm -hmm. I know I pulled some of your trivia. It's funny, when I'm excited about a movie, like, the newer ones I know more about because I was living the coverage. So let's see what you got.
1: Well, uh, first off, right (laughs) off the bat, dedicated the film is, and we might as well say this podcast too, to Nora Ephron. I don't know Mm if you caught that. Um,
0: Meryl Streep's good friend.
1: Graham, as you mentioned, uh, isn't in the film adaptation of All the President's Men. They have the line about her, uh, which mm-hmm. you said earlier. But there was originally a scene written for her in earlier versions where she would ask Woodward and Bernstein about the Watergate story, beginning with "What are you doing with my paper?"
0: Wow. You know what's interesting? Streep could have played her back then. Oh yeah. Don't you? No, I guess I guess she's a bit a bit young. They could have CGI but... her. They could have
1: reversed Irish manner.
0: (laughs) Benjamin Button.
1: As filming commenced on this, a number of New York Times figures who were associated with the Pentagon Papers um, objected to the film's production due to the script's lack of emphasis on the New York Times' role in breaking the story.
0: It's literally called The Post.
1: James Goodale, who was at the time the (laughs) Times' in-house counsel, later called the film a good movie but bad History, And I think that also speaks to the point where if this is a movie about Catherine Graham, Mm -hmm. who cares? Like, this is about her decision and everything she had on the line. But if Mm -hmm. you're making a story about the Pentagon Papers in some total, then yeah, maybe Mm -hmm. it should have a little more. Like, why not have it half set at the Times, half at the Post?
0: And they did, I think they were quite um, generous with how much they did bring up the New York Times. I thought they were. And not like those fucks over there that don't know anything. (laughs) Like It was always like they scooped us.
1: (laughs) Uh, As you mentioned, this was shot quickly. Spielberg wanted to have the film released as quickly as possible, given the parallels between the theme and the burgeoning political fake news climate in the U.S. According to Meryl Streep, filming started in May 2017 and finished at the end of July 2017. Spielberg had it cut two weeks later. The gestation from script to final cut lasted a modest nine months.
0: That's bananas. I wish I could be on that production (laughs) schedule.
1: In fact, Spielberg made the movie from start to finish while he was waiting for industrial light and magic to close all the 1500 digital effects shots for Ready Player One. Which was filmed Uh before this and released after.
0: Oh, wow. And is not as good.
1: No, it's not. It's not quite as good. (laughs) I will say the post features fewer giant robots <laughs> and laser guns <laughs> and pop culture battles, but mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm. maybe in the sequel um <laughs> had its premiere at the museum in washington d c now closed I believe oh yep, sorry. <laughs> never having previously collaborated with director steven spielberg in a director actor capacity streep was flabbergasted to learn that spielberg never rehearses with his actors co-star tom hanks was well aware of this but decided in gleeful anticipation of a diva reaction not to tell Streep. despite her initial shock meryl and steven got along extremely well during the shoot with spielberg being so impressed with her character he had difficulty restraining himself from constantly complimenting her Every take on set.
0: I'm sure. Also, why do we know so many stories about men trying to get one over on street?
1: Because they they shoot and they miss every time.
0: (laughs) Leave her alone. She's a nice lady.
1: Uh, In scenes involving the Pentagon Papers, Daniel Ellsberg's original documents were used as props, including the pages that were scattered all over the floor of Bradley's home.
0: Wow. Yeah.
1: Tom Hanks as you may know is a fan and collector of vintage typewriters
0: (laughs) i've heard about this
1: and he actually tried out every one of the typewriters in the post newsroom during the shoot and took one of them a corona zephyr for his own collection saying he i tested every single one of those machines and i picked out the one for me i informed the prop department i'm either buying it or stealing it it's up to them what should he do i presume that he bought it he He has a gazillion dollars that's a weird i I, you know what he probably meant that in a joking way that devoid of context it sounds like tom hanks (laughs) threatening the prop department but i'm sure he was an affable person
0: Mm -hmm.
1: uh nominated for best picture best actress for streep uh but, but, but do you know ben bradley and wife sally quinn were actually long island neighbors of steven spielberg for many years they knew each other. These socially. are
0: all very fancy people we're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> They're all so fancy. Long Island means the Hamptons.
1: Although this goes unexplained in the movie, when Daniel Ellsberg and Tony Russo needed to photocopy the Pilfered Papers, they go to an advertising agency which was founded by Russo's then-girlfriend, Linda Harris-Sinay. Uh, For allowing the photocopying to happen at her business, Sine was pursued by prosecutors, but was designated uh, a not indicted co-conspirator and was never actually prosecuted. She subsequently married businessman Stuart Resnick um, and became a well-known entrepreneur and businesswoman, the two of them launching such businesses as Fiji Water and Palm Wonderful. Wow,
0: Fiji Water. There
1: you go. Uh, decorations of Bradley's office were based on actual photos from the period. The newsroom set was full size, near perfect reproduction of the actual newsroom as it was in the late 60s. Rather than being on a soundstage, it was filmed in an actual office building. The huge number of approximately 100 vintage metal desks were covered with a realistic assortment of contemporary materials, including reference books, newspapers, and other clutter. Many of the prop newspapers were reproductions of actual multi-page, sec- multi-page sections of the real thing, digitally reprinted in limited runs.
0: That scene where they're all reading the paper? Like, yeah. I was just thinking how many prop papers <laughs> they had to make.
1: Due to the normal sound chatter of typewriters in a newsroom, the place tended to be fairly loud. In order to be as authentic as possible, the extras were encouraged to actually use the typewriters as well as to talk and carry it on as if they were real reporters. Uh, veteran reporters who worked at the post at the time in which the story is set were brought in to consult on the authenticity. They remarked that the set was absolutely perfect. With one of them coming to tears because of the time machine effect of the experience.
0: Aww. I love
1: that from the the best journalism movies to terrible ones like the Mean Season. Anytime a, a newsroom is lovingly recreated, I guess that one was shot in a newsroom. But like we all love it. We love a newsroom set we do
0: and i i i love to hear how accurate the props people need to be cuz you don't see no. it but that's sort of the point if you saw it you, it would be it would be pulling your attention it would
1: be uh state of play
0: where every <laughs> inch was covered with clutter <laughs>
1: Uh, while si- scenes were being shot in the newsroom, Tom Hanks would often stay in his office, Bradley's office, looking out into the newsroom while he wasn't on camera, spending the time reading, writing, or going over scenes with other actors, even though he was either off camera or so far in the background as to go unnoticed.
0: Hmm. Why not? What a generous performer. Right
1: there. Probably have to go to your trailer. If it's in an actual office building, your trailer is probably an elevator Down right street away. Down the Yeah.
0: No. yeah.
1: Uh, Bradley and Richard Nixon were distantly related to each other. Both mm. were descendants of the same English family, the Baldwins. <laughs> Different Baldwin. Though who mm. knows? Mm. Uh, yeah, the film shows... Is this the last one? It is. The film shows Washington Post trucks delivering newspapers when the Post's edition of the Pentagon Papers hits the street. The Washington Post did not own delivery trucks. The paper was oh, distributed boy. by independent drivers using their own unmarked trucks Usually white step fans.
0: There's Ben Bradley, old man, like on IMDb Trivia. Like, ruh, 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 excuse me. That's my
1: future is just <laughs> old man on IMDb yeah. Trivia. <laughs> yeah.
0: Huh, that nine month production period from. That's yeah, insane. It's, it just is. I this don't care should who be who a are.
1: giant clusterfuck. In, or maybe yeah. not. Maybe it should be perfect. But that's incredible
0: yeah
1: do in fact you know what do more movies like that spend less three years on cgi cluster fox we don't need another yeah, let's Indi- make a movie about people do you want to make an yeah. indiana jones 6 do like have a 90 day period to get that done
0: <laughs> and it's not like it was like a bunch of single shots just stitched together like it was yeah? well shot it looked Beautiful. great it wasn't like it didn't feel any way. like oh we only have so much time let's shoot less like, it certainly there was money on screen yeah for sure
1: yeah he was he was trying with this one
0: mm-hmm. was? yeah
1: no i as mentioned like I liked it a lot more I wish it was more about uh Graham's character as, as you know and as you mentioned incredibly wealthy family like not exactly mm-hmm. coming from nothing um mm-hmm. and didn't exactly go to nothing very rich still a very powerful family um yeah. but this was a huge moment in her life and her family's life and yeah, it was a good film. Wish it was more tied to her, but that's okay.
0: Maybe she'll have an origin story and be played by Selena Gomez. Yeah,
1: you know what? Make an unofficial sequel. Some what, <laughs> haven't there been <laughs> Spielberg sequels? What? Yeah, Jaws two.
0: Jaws two <laughs> through five. Yeah. Um, Didn't they make
1: another bad one to something? Ready, wasn't, Ready Player ready Two. Ready Player Two. But something in the. Oh yeah, all the Jurassic Park ones. Okay, so just make been a few Jurassic. more. Catherine Graham Extended Universe. Do a... Do a it could yeah. just be
0: called K K A Y. Sure. I'd go see that. And it's just about her Have Meryl Streep like covering
1: and, all the big stories up through the 80s and early 90s.
0: Or like Mamie could be in yes. it. Yes. All the Gummer Girls could be in it. There you go. Just play her at different ages. There we go. We wrote it. This is how you do a movie in nine months. You just crank it out.
1: Okay, we're pitching this. <laughs> we gotta go. <laughs> um, people can find you, Tara, on Twitter at Thorny yep. H-F-X-T-H-O-R-N-E-Y
0: if I approve their follower request, yes and they can find you at R-W-J Boone and the show at Box, Box Bylines. Bylines they can also if listen you to your like... other
1: podcast, The Tideline
0: The Tideline, now free yeah,
1: free for everyone
0: mm-hmm. um, just like this show Yeah. free for all if anyone's listening and wants to
1: sponsor <laughs> us Next week, we might have another guest back, which will be fun. And until then, what do we say?
0: May your jewels always be Richard.
1: And your devils wear Prada. And your stripes <laughs> be Mary.
0: <laughs> and your stripes be gummers. <laughs> and...
1: Your hanks be Tom.
0: Your lights be spotty. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> your hanks be
1: Tom. <laughs> right, bye, there.
0: Bye, David.